Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Bienvenidos to the Carne Asada, ladies and gentlemen, the Bleed Loves podcast with our special guest today, the director of the new documentary after Jackie, Andre Gaines. Uh, before we get to it with Andre, I just want to take care of some business here. This episode of the Bleed Loves podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. So you can find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's Wimbledon Finals, Major League Baseball, and the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% a welcome bonus on your first deposit. So just use the promo code. It's Believe, B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online. It's where the game starts. Uh, and so, as I mentioned, we have Andre here. But before we get to it, we want to show you guys the trailer for his new film, After Jackie. Jackie Robinson established a model for the next generation. He gave the Bill Whites and the Bob Gibsons and the Kurt Floods the path to say this is unacceptable. Baseball has not moved with the time. When you can be sold like in 1890. Players had no power. Jackie's legacy is more than just baseball. What he did for others, that's his legacy. After Jackie, June 18th at 8, next day on the History Channel app. Bravo. Welcome, Andre. Um, thank you for taking a moment to hang out with us. I'm assuming it is pretty crazy for you. Uh, this just released after Jackie and to all of you joining us on the Bleedless po podcast. After Jackie is available on the History Channel, and that's where I watched it. I've made my mom and dad watch it. My daughter will be watching it because just when we thought we knew everything wow. about Jackie, and being a baseball lover myself, a third generation baseball lover, now you go and make after Jackie. And I'm just like, it is very, very, it's just awesome. Oh, so I want to get right into it. And if for someone who doesn't love baseball like we do, or who doesn't uh, know about Jackie or thought, I've seen the Robins, the 42 movies and stuff. Mm -hmm. Why should we go and see after Jackie? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Great to great to talk to you guys. I mean, I think that answer is kind of, you know, twofold. First is, you know, Ken Griffey Jr., who was in our, our film, he's in the trailer that you just showed, really has one of the my favorite lines in the whole film, which is that Jackie's legacy is what he did for others. I mean, Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier, frankly, was probably the least important thing that he did. And it's the only thing that we ever hear is all of the stuff that he did afterwards that he just doesn't get much credit for. You know, we never see that version of the gray haired, you know, man going out marching in front of uh, uh, thousands of people and giving speeches in front of thousands of people and working with Dr. King and becoming this, this amazing, you know, civil rights leader that he became alongside uh, Dr. King, Harry Belafonte, and so many others. And so that's really, you know, the first thing. It's it's sort of a double meaning, the title after Jackie. It's after Jackie, the guys that came after Jackie, but then it's also after Jackie, after the Jackie Robinson that we thought we knew or that we, we knew or that we think that we know. And there's a version of him in retirement that we just never get a chance to see. So that's really the first reason. The second reason is that uh, when LeBron James and his team uh, over at Spring Hill approached me about making this movie, I was honest with them that while I'm a baseball fan, I'm not a baseball aficionado. <laughs> and that, that if you guys dare ask me who won this World Series in 1972, I have no clue who that is. And, uh, and so they was like, well, no, you're perfect. You're exactly what we're looking for. Because to answer your, your question, I wanted to make a film that was uh, for the baseball fans and for just the lovers of history and the lovers of, of great storytelling at the end of the day for folks who are not going to be immersed 
in all of the the fine details, which I know a lot more than I ever did at the beginning of this, of the game of baseball and understand how it plays. And so we wanted to have those highlights in there for the baseball fans and really get a chance to see some of the, that great footage from the 64 World Series and the Cardinals team and all that sort of stuff. But we also wanted to have a great story of great characters and we were able to achieve both. Yes, you did. And one of my favorite scenes was when you brought the old time video of Bob Gibson. Just oh, man. Pegging, pegging. Oh, he's great. <laughs> I was like, what? Like, yeah, super cool. I, I was digging that. But you mentioned Ken Griffey Jr. And so how did it come about that you were able, you know, to work with Mookie, Mookie Betts, you know, CC uh, Zabathia, like the, the stars that right. we saw. Uh, it, throughout your film, did you personally reach out to them? Was this the collab with LeBron or? or oh, sure. Well, it, it's helpful to have LeBron James as an executive right. producer. That's all, <laughs> that's all I'll say. It's a, yeah, you know, little, little known guy. Um, no, that, that really came through uh, LeBron and his team and their relationship. I mean, Spring Hill, uninterrupted. They're a very athlete-focused and sports-driven company. Uh, their model is more than an athlete. So they really try to tell these stories beyond the field, beyond the court, beyond the game. And so when it came to Mookie Betts, who was awesome to not only meet in person, but to, you know, really get a chance to chat with off camera. Uh, CC was fantastic. I, you know, did his, his show R2C2 um, and have seen him multiple times. He was just great. And then the great, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. Who said that, uh, I was, you know, the only one able to pull him out of out of his house to be willing to sit down and have a conversation because he's like, I'm a dad, I'm a homebody, I'm just, you know, down here having a great time with my kids and chilling and this sort of thing. But I couldn't, you know, miss the opportunity to talk about Jackie Robinson and then also talk about the heroes of the game and Bill White, Bob Gibson and Kurt Flood that were heroes to him, just like his own father was a hero to him. That a lot of people just have never heard of and just don't don't know about. I mean, that Bob Gibson sequence, I was like, this has to go in here just because they lowered the mound because of this guy, you know, of how domineering and dominant he was in these games. They had to lower the mound uh, for just, you know, out of sheer terror uh, when Bob Gibson came up to the, to the mound. It was like, yeah, we got to show we got to show some of these moments where he's beaming folks because it's pretty extraordinary. And so it was, I was insistent that we have that in there. Well, thank you for that. I know Juan was also a fan of those, uh, Bob Gibson scenes, right, Juan? <laughs> well, uh, well, yeah. And you know, I want to know how the sausage is made here, Andre. So I, I know that LeBron and his company approached you, but right. when it comes to documentary, you know, a lot of people may not know this, there is writing involved. Oh, it's a just a little different, right? It's not a, a prepared script. So, the pitch for the story, did you come up with that pitch in terms of we want to focus on Kurt Flood, we want to focus on Bob Gibson? Because there was probably a handful of other players oh, sure. that you guys could have uh, you know, followed after Jackie Robinson. That's Who right. came up with the pitch uh, in the, in the yeah, arc so, of the story? So yeah, last year I made a film called The One and Only Dick Gregory. It was about mm -hmm. the, the late great comedian is on Showtime. And it was around that time that um, LeBron and his team had approached me about this project. And so uh, LeBron and Stan, LeBron James and Stanley Nelson, the, the, the great filmmaker, um, they had been working on this uh, prior to my arrival. And so that's really where that main pitch came from. And it had a lot to do with, and the reason why there was a focus, and it's a good question because it was something that, that, I had talked about as well and realized that just given the runway that we had, which was two hours, we're not going to be able to go into um, Willie Mays or Hank Aaron or, or you know, uh, Ernie Banks or so many of these other great guys that followed Jackie Robinson. The, the focus was heavy on the Cardinals team, on that early 60s Cardinals team and what it is that they brought to the game and the style of play that they had, which was very similar to the Negro Leagues when it came to speed, when it came to aggressiveness and the base pass and all those types of things. And so we really wanted to, we really wanted to try to um, 
sort of consolidate the understanding of what was happening at that period of time. And, and you know, it just so also happened that those three uh, major figures in the game and both on and off the field happened to play on that one team. And so that's, that's sort of where the, the ethos uh, kind of uh, built itself, you know, to, to, uh, uh, to, or developed itself into becoming at the end of the day. But, you know, we had Mike Claiborne, who's one of the broadcasters from the St. Louis Cardinals who really talks about Bill White, for instance, as being one of the, probably the second most important person in black man in the game of baseball next to Jackie Robinson, in his opinion, uh, for his breaking the barrier in the front office as, you know, first and only president, black president of a national league. And then also as a broadcaster. Um, and then the same for, you know, Kurt flood folks who don't know anything about baseball, but are again, students of history know a little bit about Kurt flood and his path to what we know as modern day free agency. So there was a lot of contributions that these three guys made. We already talked about Bob Gibson that really helped shape the story to understand. But you know, there's there's nothing wrong with uh, trying to fight for part two or part three of this thing because there's so there's so many more stories, you know, to tell. And we were great, we were able to, grateful to get Hank Aaron in there, an interview that was conducted with him before he passed away, to really be able to to kind of speak uh, to the subject in a in such an elegant elegant and, and eloquent way. And you know, and, and Alicia mentioned it, and that is. There's, there's so many directions that you could have gone in, in to, right? And, I'm, uh-huh. and and you're right. And it's like, you, you could do a part two, you could do a part three. Here on the Bleed Lows podcast, we are the only Latino podcast in LA that focuses on the Dodgers and Dodger centric. Uh, to me, one of the natural questions, and this is not to take a shot at your film, uh-huh. was where are the Afro Latinos, right? Mm-hmm. But that's a different story that you can tell in a, in a, it in is, a different right. film. But what it got me into thinking was the representation. The fact that you as an African-American are telling this story to me is is very important because point of view matters. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and the fact that, look, I am a huge fan of Michael Mann. And I think the movie Ali is is a great movie. I, yeah, I think it's underappreciated. Right. But I know Spike Lee had some problems with it's like, oh, why sure. is a white man yeah, right, right. T- telling this story? In terms of, did you feel a responsibility that the story of Kurt Flood, the story of Bob Gibson is a story that you had to get right? Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, that really started for me with, with, Dick Gregory. I mean, the movie came out last year, but we had been working on it for, I don't know, four or five, six years, actually, from the first time that we filmed him. And uh, and what happened in that period of time for me personally was sort of a crafting or development of a personal mission as a filmmaker, which is to put these these historic figures, these historic moments, these historic events um and the ones particularly that are lesser known in their right place in history almost like a uh museum curator finding a precious artifact and putting it in a museum on display for people to see and learn something different than they did before they walked in the door and so when it came to bill white when it came to bob gibson and kurt flood i think that there was already a natural attraction for me to this story because of those guys. And because I didn't know, I mean, Kurt Flood, I knew a lot about because of another potential project we're working on around him. But with Bill White and with Kurt, with uh, Bob Gibson, these are names that I had known just from being a student of history, but not really the audience knowing them that way. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, okay, well, listen, not only are we talking about some major contributions here that we can educate people on, but, you know, let's sort of hide the broccoli and the brownie, as they say, you know, like this is, we got to put this in an entertaining package. And just by virtue of it, you end up learning something. And so we get, get an opportunity, got an opportunity to do that on the history channel. Um, because it's built for that. It's, it's, you know, specifically built for that. 
And so that's what was cool about it. So yes, I, I did feel the did feel the obligation to make sure I got it right. And and you know, listen, every every filmmaker would tell you that every movie breaks your heart like a little bit. Just because of the stuff that you have to leave. You, you know, you mentioned the Afro-Latino players, you know, who are dominant today um, or prominent today, I should say, that especially during that period of time, you know, when when you know Jackie was going uh, down to the Caribbean in order for spring training and that sort of stuff. I mean, there's just a whole, just so much more. I mean, there's, right. there's definitely a series of some kind that's kind of inherent in what it is, what it is we're telling, but just not enough time in a, in a single, single film. So that's why it breaks your heart all the time. Yeah. So much stuff you got to leave alone. It's uh, I think George Lucas is the one who said that movies aren't finished. They're abandoned. They are. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, yeah, it's like sooner or later, we got it. We got an air date. You know, we got to have it done. Yeah, there's no, there's nothing you can, you can mess with it and you can work on it just for forever. And sometimes you, you get very precious with it and it's like, you just don't ever want it to leave. But, you know, eventually that, that kid grows up and becomes the, 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 you know, 25 year old living in the basement that needs to go get a job. You know, you got to get out of here. And, uh, and that's sort of what happens with some of these things, but, but yeah, but there's always opportunity, especially when we go back in history and pull it up to the present to tell that's more stories. Beautiful. Go ahead, Alicia. I just want to make sure I want to follow up with that. Um, so Juan and I were talking about this film earlier today. Uh, again, we are with uh, director and producer Andre Gaines. If you're just joining us on the Bleed Los podcast, he just released with LeBron James and company a film about after Jackie. So it's the second wave of ball players, correct? After Jackie Robinson. So again, he is more than just breaking the color break, the color barrier. You were discussing uh, what was it? putting the broccoli in the brownies. I love yeah. that. And I did hear, you know, different references. Uh, when you mentioned uh, Ted Williams going off to war, I got really excited. Uh, and it was a brief mention, and it was not even relevant to what the theme of this film is. But you also mentioned how Black professional ballplayers, as well as darker Hispanic ballplayers, were treated differently, uh, you know, in and outside of the stadium, the buses, all of that. Right. But I wanted to also mention if there are any works, any projects in the works, Ted Williams is Mexican and he had mm. to hide that from the Boston, you know, Red Sox and that notorious right. fan base. And I won't get into that, but uh, any word, any, any, any uh, juicy gossip you could give us as sports lovers? <laughs> oh, well, that's uh well, you're starting the juicy gossip. You're hearing it here. I, I want know, you know how many people. So, so it's Ted Williams and, uh, oh gosh. Um, there's another player who was on the Negro leagues, uh, whose name eludes me now, but it's, huge guy i mean he was like a bear he was just a <laughs> massive massive guy uh it was that and then um uh that player uh ted williams and there was one other one and so people you know that's what's kind of cool about making these movies is that mm -hmm. there's people who are like um just learning it and just getting to know it and then there's like the total nerds <laughs> who know everything about it and so then there's there's the ones that are just like yeah you got to tell this story this is awesome which i love because i'm a nerd and then <laughs> and then there's also the nerds which i call you know the well actually online and say well actually <laughs> that didn't actually you know happen to jackie and well actually you know it's like okay we get it you know we're trying to make a movie here for christ's sake <laughs> writing a book it's 300 pages but uh but yeah so no there's not anything in the works but but i've written it down because okay. i do think that the cool thing about baseball is that if you look at the history of baseball it like is directly parallel with the history of the united states so there is a whole you can learn you can essentially tell the story of the history of the united states through baseball and really sort of understand 
uh, the bits and pieces of where the country was at the time, where it is, how it sort of moved, the progress of it. Because a lot of people, for instance, didn't know that there were black ball players before Jackie Robinson, which is something mm -hmm. that we put in the film. Yeah. Uh, we talk about Bud Fowler. We talk about Moses Fleetwood Walker and these guys who were playing in that version of the major leagues in the late 1800s, mm -hmm. which is which was at um, at a at a time in our nation's history post Reconstruction uh, after the Emancipation Proclamation, where we saw the the uh, one of the the greatest decades of 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 uh, black wealth and thriving black communities, the building of cities all over the country and things like that. And so they were part of black Americans were part of every facet of American society, including Congress at the time before being booted out or being having these gentlemen's agreements in place to ban them from that type of participation. And so that would consume the country really for 60 years until Jackie Robinson shows up in 1947 to try to reverse that, right, where we start to see the civil rights movement happen. So that's what's cool. And I think it's it's a great idea. And uh, if I have any say so, we try to see if we can make that happen. <laughs> I just want to follow up with what you just mentioned again. So if baseball truly does, which I agree with you, follow along the history of the United States, you know, Chris Rock not too long ago mentioned that there weren't enough young black Ball players, mm -hmm. would you say that it's gotten better or worse in MLB? And and the, I'm I'm not trying. Yeah, to right. No, it's a, it's I, it's a worthy question. <laughs> yeah, it's a worthy question because it's one that came up a lot, especially with the, especially with Mookie and CC, and and Ken Griffey Jr. You know, it came it came up quite a bit, and really sort of talking about. Uh, we talked with Tony Regans, um, uh, you know, who's over these special programs that MLB is doing. And it's really, the answer is yes, there's not enough black Americans in the sport. Obviously not dismissing our Afro-Latino brothers mm -hmm. that are in the sport, which have to deal with the same level of discrimination. Mm -hmm. uh, but because we're talking about it being an American story and how much this has impacted the, you know, the black, how much of an impact Jackie Robinson breaking that color barrier had on the black community and black participation, especially something we barely highlighted in the film, which is understanding how much black folks loved baseball mm -hmm. and how big of a deal it was and how, how much the Negro leagues were a, a cornerstone financially. Uh, big business in, in these segregated black communities at the time. Uh, I do think that there is a lot of work that needs to be done. You know, we sort of track that in our film of the time after Jackie Robinson, decades after him, that gets better and better, probably sort of peaking with Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, before we start to see those numbers start to decline. And right now that's somewhat equivalent to the percentage of when Jackie Robinson retired in 1957. So we don't want to go backwards, you know, nobody does. Um, you know, black folks, uh, uh, Latino folks, white folks, you know, just everybody working hard to try to create what Obama referred to as more perfect union that that's in sports too. It's one of the few places in America, uh, that we the 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 tribalization of sports yeah. it's one of the few places where we can actually see change in the country because it's one of the few places everybody actually comes together i mean on the field is democrats republicans you got yeah. you know uh, tall skinny you know whatever it is like black white yellow brown it doesn't matter is that with if we all are coming together and want to see our dodgers or we want to see our lakers or we want to see you know, our Rams or, or, you know, whoever, it's like, we're all coming together there. And it's one of those few places, like name someplace else like that, other right. than sport in, in America, maybe not church. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not church. Through that. Yeah, not, not, uh, not any place that, you know, you have first class, second class, third class, you sort of divide it. It's like right. everybody can put on a jersey and go root for their team. So it would be great to see that. And they are working hard. MLB is, is working hard uh, to try to um, 
change that fact and make it more uh, accessible to black and brown kids just because it's gotten quite expensive, you know, so yeah. it's sort of beyond the little leagues at this point. So thank you. Yeah. Juan, uh, can yeah. I ask them or I go just, ahead? I, I, I'm being selfish here, but since you brought up uh, our LA teams, I know you were born in Ohio, you went to Northwestern, and I think you worked in New York. So who are yeah. your base, who are your teams, your baseball team? Give me your baseball team and your favorite baseball players growing up. Uh well, the well <laughs> it's funny because so I grew up in Ohio, grew up in Toledo, Ohio. We didn't have a a major league team. We had a minor league team, the Mud Hens. Nice. Uh Toledo Mud Hens. Uh we would often cuz it was only like 45 minutes from Detroit, so we would often gravitate to the kind of like Detroit teams or like the Cleveland teams. Mm -hmm. And, but because of that, it sort of, you know, left us in kind of like a ubiquitous space where <laughs> you just sort of like love whoever it is that's cool. It was like, okay, this King Griffey Jr. Sure. This is, right. of course, who, who doesn't love this guy? So that would probably be my favorite baseball player growing up. And I told him that. Uh, and we had to do a virtual interview because of the um, um, travel schedule. And he was like, you know, you you love me so much you couldn't even fly down here to come see me. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, I do. I do adore you. I'm glad you're on. Um, and uh, but yeah. And so we had, um, you know, the, the growing up like uh, other teams, you know, Pistons were like a big deal from a basketball standpoint um the the indians from a baseball standpoint um and uh you know we were able to be able to branch out and kind of widen our net by not having those major league teams in our home city um and so there that sort of expands all the way out to the to the uh, east coast primarily growing up and then when i moved to la I became a fan of all the LA teams. Like anybody can avoid this, you know. It's like we've got all these teams here. There's no way that you can avoid being a Lakers fan or a Dodgers fan or any of the above. Good answer. Exactly. <laughs> I know. I ended it where you wanted me to. So. <laughs> hey, Andre. I, I I wanted to ask you uh, in terms of. There's a lot of broccoli, as you mentioned in this movie, right. and to the point where I was kind of embarrassed that I didn't know this stuff. And that's why I think you do have to look at this as this is not a Jackie, Ro another Jackie Robinson movie, because it's, it's looking at a, a, that story, but through a different lens, so uh -huh. to speak. Uh, one of the things that I, I found really interesting was how you modernize the story using footage from current day events and realizing mm -hmm. that history really does tend to repeat itself. Right. And and I don't know how much of it has hit home to people who maybe for people in the 60s who grew up during that civil rights era, That's right. they might be looking at this era going, this is happening again, while people, other people I think maybe dismiss and be like, no, 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 it's nothing like the 60s. Was that intentional for you to draw the comparison? between what's happening now to what those guys were going through in the 60s? Oh, sure. I, I did it in my last film, and the New York Times loved it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this again. Because <laughs> 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 I'm going to do this again. Yeah, it was funny because it was really trying to – it 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 helped. It, it was surprising. You know, sometimes you, you think of these things as a storyteller as being kind of obvious to people. Yeah. But until you put it in a visual medium, it, it's surprising that it's not so obvious to people. Because with television and film, which are you know, two of the most powerful uh, propaganda tools ever invented on planet Earth, unless it's like right there in your face, most people aren't spending time in a library, you know, uh, flipping through microfiche or whatever the, ver whatever the fuck version excuse me it's my <laughs> french but whatever the version of that is now right yeah yeah and so it's kind of like that's our job as storytellers as filmmakers is to sort of put that there and so yeah it was very intentional because there were just so many 
you know, parallels, um, just so many parallels. I mean, what was the story just recently, even of somebody using Jackie Robinson's name as a, like a racial slur? Oh, uh, yes. That was a Donaldson of the Yankees. Donaldson's, right. Uh, saying it to Tim Anderson, calling him Jackie. Calling him Jackie, you know, yeah. which <laughs> it's sort of like, we're still dealing with that. You know, yeah. we're still we're still dealing with that level of of uh, brazen bigotry or brazen racism, being very proud of it in a way. So it's very strange, you know. No, but I, strange, I, strange to us, right? Strange to you and me, because we weren't part of that. But if you talk, you know, to my grandparents and that sort of thing, and the other thing too, they they were able they were able to understand it and connect those dots, but. The other part of it, too, is the thing that um, my grandparents would say, and I remember Dick Gregory would always say this, is that to say to to ever say that we haven't made progress would be and substantial progress would be to diminish the legacies of the people who sacrifice literally their lives, their blood, sweat, tears, their finances, their families, their friends in order to make our freedoms and liberties possible. And so I never say that because of one that, but the other piece, because it is true that we have made a lot of progress, but we get to see those sort of moments in time where people are, are, are being racist or people are being sexist or people are being discriminatory and, uh, and, and really think, you know, have we made enough progress to try to change their hearts and minds and we can just keep trying you know that's really it we can just we can just keep trying at the end of the day and uh this film is a little piece of that trying I, absolutely uh -huh. and and the thing is is i i really did enjoy your film because uh, not only the bas the baseball aspect of it the history aspect of it but I, yeah. I i do have to admit though andre it bummed me out and this is <laughs> this is what what bummed me out was you're highlighting figures like Kurt Flood and and you're we, we see what Jackie Robinson was doing after he retired, right? Putting uh -huh. his, his life on the line. And it just made me think, I don't know if there's anyone in Major League Baseball right now that would have the courage that those players had because you saw what Colin Copper, Kaepernick did. Uh -huh. No one in Major League Baseball came close Right. to making any type of political statement. And, and, I, and I say this, all, I know this, I know that baseball is a very conservative sport. Uh -huh. So I don't expect any, any of the athletes in that sport to take those stands. But to hear Bob Gibson not show up to Kurt Flood's hearing, but Jackie Robinson did. And I don't blame Bob Gibson, right? Because right. he has to feed his family, right? But to hear him right. say that, it just made me realize, man, how many, how, how we need people like Jackie Robinson. Yeah. You know, they come, come along once in a lifetime, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of like we need an MLK yeah. or Martin Luther King. It's like, well, no, you don't need a Martin Luther King. You need Martin Luther King. Right. You know, it's like, that's it. That was the guy. And that's why when the country lost him, haven't seen another version since and that's the 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 legacy of jackie robinson is that if we don't have this one singular hero figure that we can make huge statues out of can we take his legacy and spread it out so that we can have this guy over here working to advance the front office and have this guy over here working to advance uh, broadcasts and have this guy over here working to advance, uh, you know, general manager and have this one over here working to advance pitcher and, you know, sort of all of the, the, the positions that are historically uh, missing minority groups and smaller disenfranchised groups. And that's the that's the real takeaway is yes, that yes, we can do that, that there's only in the course of a lifetime, maybe twice, if you're lucky, that somebody 
of that magnitude comes along and is able to, to create that level of change on a worldwide scale. And we get to see that in some, we get to see examples of that legacy in Bill White, in Bob Gibson, in Kurt Flood, in the film. Like no, no, one, no one of them uh, alone measured up to a, a Jackie Robinson, yeah. but each of them were a part of him. And each of them were some were, were were people who could advance his legacy in ways that he couldn't even advance his legacy, and and sadly, the bum the bummed out part that you feel that I felt when making it is that a lot of that discrimination was worse, yeah, for that second wave of guys because they didn't have the cameras on them, they didn't have the world watching, they didn't have every reporter on earth there, you know. Uh, taking down notes for every breath and move that that Jackie Robinson made. So they had to they had to deal with that and had to face that without the, the support of the public in a way that Jackie Robinson had, even if that public was only maybe 50 percent of the public, you know, or 30 percent of the public. At the end of the day, he had that support. So, yeah, it's it's um, it's heartbreaking in some regards. You know, it's heartbreaking to be able to hear that. I mean, for me, you mentioned Bob Gibson not showing up to Kurt Flood's um, uh, court case, court hearing, but also hearing Bob Gibson talk about crying because he couldn't stay with his teammates. Yeah. I mean, this, you know, <laughs> this, this, this domineering uh, figure that frightened the hell out of everybody is, is, uh, somewhere falling apart because he's being being discriminated against in a way that he's never experienced and you know being castigated and marginalized and so so we get to be able to see that but you know also understand how these guys came together to make a change and make differences in the world Absolutely. We have a few more minutes with the director of the new uh, documentary after Jackie, Andre Gaines. Uh, Alicia, do you have uh, any last questions for Andre? Uh, before we get to the, the rapid fire, I just want to say, Andre, you mentioned we were lucky to have a Jackie Robinson, to have an MLK, a MLK. I think we're also lucky and grateful for our storytellers like yourself and my co-host oh thank you <laughs> it, yeah it's it's so important the power of storytelling the power of media we take it for granted in this country mm -hmm. and, and there are times that i fear we're going to lose it so we need to keep making these documentaries these stories and one my co-host mentioned earlier point of view matters representation matters it's something That's very right. dear and important to me so when i see films like this yes the story itself was a bummer, one, but it was also a kind of like, yay, this, this I learned something new and it's out there. Right. Because you said it yourself, we're not going to libraries, right? And who, how would I know to Google, you know, the second, after Jackie, the second wave, unless you have, yeah. unless you have a path. Yeah. yeah so. Unless you have a little bit of a path. And that's what the goal was of mm -hmm. the film was to open up a little path for people to explore more. We want we want people going online and googling things and going on Wikipedia and looking up stuff. You know that's that's the goal after you you make a make a movie like this. I mean, I know that was the case with the one and only Dick Gregory. It was the case with After Jackie as well. We're just and and I just get a flood flood of of social media messages and inquiries and all types of stuff of people not only saying thank you for telling me a story that I haven't heard and teaching me something I didn't know. But then also people who were like, oh, my grandfather was in the Negro Leagues or my you know, father played Major League Baseball for for, uh, you know, Mariners or whoever it is and and be able to tell the stories of what they kind of went through as well. But, you know, it, it may be a little uncomfortable, but it's like we have to we got to We have to tell it, you know, we have to bring it up uh, to the forefront at some point let's, so. do, let's keep this going people all you filmmakers out there writers yeah <laughs> <laughs> i want more more <laughs> exactly this there's, there's so there's so much more and yes. um 
you know, it probably starts with Ted Williams. So we'll, we'll, we'll get started there. <laughs> uh, Andre, we're going to, we're going to wrap up the show the way we always wrap up the show uh, on the bleed Lows podcast, but I want to do a couple rapid fire questions for you before we wrap it up. Sure. Uh, uh, first of all, um, when we talked about like point of view, what Alicia just said, mentioning one of those, one of the subjects in your film is someone I want to learn more about. And that's Wendell Smith. Oh, and the role that yeah. that columnists play in this country because they have narratives that they can push in certain ways. How much did you know about Wendell Smith going into this project? Um, so, you know, in fairness, I actually knew a little more about Wendell Smith than uh, than I knew about the the other players. Um, because one of my good friends, Andre Holland, played him in 42. <laughs> And so we went to school together at NYU. And, uh, and again, it was one of those things after seeing a story or seeing a figure in history that you didn't know much about, and you sort of go and learn a little bit more about. And Brad Snyder, who was in our film, uh, the historian who wrote a book about Kurt Flood, really, I think, does a great job of highlighting how much these reporters, Wendell Smith was really sort of at the forefront, but there were others were truly on a crusade. They weren't just writers. They were recruiters. They were coaches. They were sort of a, a multitude of things to on a crusade to get black players in the game of baseball and working directly with uh, owners and managers to try to scout these players and bring them or bring the managers to see them play and vice versa. And the one person who heeded that, you know, advice um, was on the Dodgers, you know, for, for, for Jackie Robinson. And that's how we end up, you know, getting the, the, the story of, uh, of Jackie Robinson at the end of the day. So it was really cool, you know, to to hear to hear more even about Wendell Smith than I knew, but then also be able to try to bring that to an audience and and try to help them understand it too. Okay, two two questions here. I see you're wearing a Michaud shirt, and I don't know who else is on here. So <laughs> I, I, I okay. So I need to ask you, who is the most influential director in it for you? And who's your favorite director? Because I think it could be two different answers there. Oh man, that's a good question. <laughs> um, probably the most, probably the most influential director, I would say, is Orson Welles. Oh, okay. Um, uh, to to me personally, or you mean? Overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For you, what? Oh, like okay. in terms of influential, I, what I mean, what what director's work has informed oh, your work sure, the most, sure, and then yeah. your favorite? Because I think well, there could be two. Basically, everybody who's here. So okay. that's that's Oscar <laughs> Micheaux, Gordon Park, Spike Lee, John Singleton, and Antoine Fuqua. Okay. Um, and um, <laughs> a lot of people again don't know about Oscar Micheaux, nice. uh, who was really the first major black director in Hollywood. And, and was was out there making his show, making his movies and uh, producing his own movies and had his own studio and was was doing all these things kind of outside of a system that wasn't allowing him to be in it. Uh, I think HBO is doing a show about him of which Tyler Perry is starring oh, as Oscar okay. Micheaux. Um, there's there's clip there's there's um, scenes in Tyler Perry's movies that come directly from some Oscar Micheaux films. Um, as filmmakers all borrow from each other. So, so yeah, it's, it's would, homage. I, we call it homage, right? That's, that's homage. What it is. <laughs> yeah, right. Nothing, nothing, nothing is new. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say, I would say um, those filmmakers would probably be the most influential uh, for sure. And then Orson Welles, uh, just, I think the, from a, a holistic standpoint of a, of a storyteller of the things that he was able to do and citizen, citizen Kane, which, still to this day are uh, the benchmark and cornerstone of modern filmmaking that everybody uses. And your favorite movie? 
So my favorite movie is uh, probably a cop out to a lot of people, but it's the Shawshank Redemption. Really? Oh, okay. <laughs> cop out? That's a great film. Yeah, we're going to say a cop out because I feel like people feel like it might be easy. You know, it might be too easy. Oh. I'm going to name some obscure film. You know, like <laughs> right. Eight hundred blows, or you know, something like that. Um, but yeah, they, no, that's gosh, that movie is really fantastic. I would say the, the the film that is the close second, if not equal, um, is Amadeus. Uh, really? From 1984. Yeah. So One of my Milos, top five. Milos yeah. Forman, Forman film and the Shawshank Redemption, a Frank Darabont movie. Uh, I, I, I totally thought you were going to pull the film student and tell me Killer of Sheep by Charles Burnett. Uh, no, 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 no. Killer of <laughs> Sheep I love. I do yeah. love it for especially its... It's cinematic qualities, and again, it being a you know cornerstone of of modern drama, but um, but yeah, just as far as like pitch perfect execution, uh, without any error, and and any reason that we shouldn't be in a scene or hear a story being told, those those two films are are just magnificent. Sorry, I was being a douche there. I love Killer of Sheep, so it was just my way to work in Killer of Sheep. Because <laughs> yeah. I know there's probably, all the listeners have no clue what I'm talking about. They probably have no the, clue. No. <laughs> yeah, they, no they clue. Really, they really don't. But it's a, it's a marvelous, marvelous film. And it was a film that, again, was one of the first films, because I went to film school at NYU. Mm. It's one of the first films that, that they showed us. And it was oh. like, oh, yeah, this is, I understand why you're showing this to us. So. That's awesome. Well, on the Bleed Lows podcast, we are about L.A. We are about, uh, you know, L.A. culture. We're about the Dodgers. So we're going to end it with what we are most known for, and that's taco culture. Being that now you're in L.A. and you're a Dodger <laughs> fan, you're a Laker fan, we need to know what is your favorite taco and where do you go in the city to get that taco? Okay, so this is a this would be a plug for a wonderful restaurant in Santa Monica of all places. Cause my wife, who is the real foodie uh, <laughs> has places on uh, East side of LA Yeah, that she has yet to take me by the way. So it's like, <laughs> you want to send her a note. she comes back, she starts talking about all these tacos and all this sort of stuff. And I'm thinking, <laughs> it's like, why don't you take me would be great. Uh, but place that has one of the, the, the best atmospheres, um and great tacos is a place called Lares in um Santa Monica. Okay. Yeah, okay. L A R E S. And so what what kind of little family owned. What kind of meat is that? What kind what's your favorite taco in, in there? What the kind of meat do you like need to have? He's he's gotta think about it. <laughs> no, sorry, my kid came back from swim class. Um, what, uh, uh, okay. Let's start over. Ask me that again. So what is the meat? So when you go to Lares, what kind of, are you getting a carne asada taco or are you getting a, a, a oh, dish? Yeah. So, I'm gonna, so for the, so their, their hard shell, uh, beef okay. tacos mm. are just amazing. And then, um, their, uh, you know, soft court tortilla tacos. I love the, uh, shrimp. Oh, okay. Okay. Kind of like a little spicy shrimp, um, and it's and they have like the best margaritas ever. So, <laughs> so it's so you're lucky. I remember any of this stuff because every time I walk out of there, I'm just like, yeah, I gotta not not drink so much. So <laughs> are you? Uh, are you? The name of that, right? <laughs> yeah. So are you a corn or a flour tortilla man? I'm a flour tortilla man. Okay, yeah. so now now you're starting something because to <laughs> us on the show we view the flour tortilla as the oppressor's tortilla. Okay, Andre, it is the oppressor's tortilla. Oh, no, the, rock. The, the, the the conquistadors came and introduced flour to the indigenous people, and and I get it. It's you, good. You I get it. Up. You set me up. It's good. No, yeah. we, we, I, I didn't mean it's not a gotcha. Yeah, but no, but it's like okay. So here's a funny story. So, so I'm a flour um, uh, egg roll guy too. Oh, so, okay. So, okay. So, like East Coast, like New York Chinese food, 
is different than LA. Uh-huh. So growing up, that's the Chinese food that I had because I even in you know Ohio was still the same thing, and it was sort of this kind of crispy shell um, uh, egg roll, and out here it was like soy paper that they use or yes. rice paper that they mm-hmm. fry, and um, and we couldn't find it anywhere, and it was and we found it like randomly in some place in Inglewood or something, <laughs> and the and the the woman who's a Chinese woman. She was explaining what you just said, which was this <laughs> this was this was the the version that we made in America because when we came over because we didn't have the traditional ingredients. So we ended up pivoting and making it that way. So that's why that's why you see that type of Chinese food in New York and you see this type of show. Because by the time it got to LA, it got authentic. See, is the, is the idea. So, there we go. We have yeah. Andre just justified her. All our <laughs> listeners who get mad because I bring up the oppressor's tortilla. It's it's a real thing. So so there you have it. We want to thank our guest, uh, Andre Gaines, the director of After Jackie. It's a documentary you can find on the History Channel. You can stream it uh, for those of you uh, through your cable company. As long as you have the History Channel, it's on demand. Check it out. And you the think- app. History Channel app. And the History Channel app. Andre, where can our listeners follow you, find you on the social media? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at uh, Andre L. Gaines. Um, And uh, that's where I'm mainly at. I mean, you know, I have a Twitter account, Andre Gaines, and Facebook the same, but mainly spend all the time on, on Instagram. So that's where folks can find me. Well, thank you very much. Thanks you for joining us. Go check out the movie, guys. Uh, And this episode of the Bleed Lose podcast was brought to you by Bet Online. It's where the game starts. Thank you very much. See you until next time. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.